Puha, I am so excited to be here with you guys. And, um, you know, I just want to honor the pastors of this house, uh, Pastor Rowan, Pastor Lee, um, Pastor Ruben. Um, I just want to honor them here today because really, uh, Pastor Rowan mentioned the Derry Rally. It's really homegrown preaching here for me um, with all the dents and the bruises on the road. But, you know, we get here and he has... Um, and it's all because they've seen the vision that God has placed in my life and the purpose they've placed in my life. So I just want to honor them here today. Um, we're going to jump right into it. I get to preach about worshiping daily. It's very exciting. I know what you're thinking. You're like, this lady's going to tell us to walk around with a boom box all day, every day with worship music. This is what she's going to do. Um, I won't. I mean, you're more than welcome to. You might look a little weird. All the younger people are like, boombox, what's that? Um, let's jump into Romans 12. Um, I use the message translation. I'm going to be speaking about whew, what it looks like to worship daily. Um, I really do feel like the Lord has, has said some stuff to me that I'm like, okay, that, that makes sense. Um, so let's just jump right into it. It's Romans 12. It says, so here's what I want you to do. God helping you take everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, your eating, going to work, and walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your intention on God. You will be changed from the inside out. Rapid, readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to the level of, its, of immaturity, God brings the best out of you, develops well-formed maturity in you. And um, we're going to pray again. Um, and Lord, I just thank you, Father, and I ask you that um, the words you have given me, oh God, the way they have given me life, I pray that it gives those in this room and online life. Lord, for you are the life giver. And you breathe, oh God, into those things that we think were dead and we're no longer there. I thank you, Jesus. I love you. Ooh, and to you be the glory. Amen. Guys, I'm going to roast up here. Okay. So, most of you guys know that I am married. Uh, I know. So exciting. Um, the gentleman who brought up this uh, pulpit here uh, is my husband. And... Um, Pastor Rose said he was, his name is John, and me and John have been married for 13 years. We just made 13 years last month. I know, I know. And we're actually going to make 16 years together in September. Um, I always tell him, I'm like, I'm the wife of your youth. Like, just remember that. I'm the wife of your youth. When we get old and gray, I was the wife of your youth. Um, and our, our, our relationship is unique to us because we celebrate two anniversaries. Um, we celebrate our marriage anniversary and we celebrate our dating anniversary. And I know it sounds weird and most people are like, we can't even keep up with one date, right? With one anniversary date, you keep up with two. And we do, we do keep up with two. And, um, we, this is how serious we take our dating anniversary. Um, and Ruben, do we have that picture? So this was our past uh, dating anniversary that happened last year when we made 15. I promise you that that is a bottle of Martinelli. And um, 
we go all out for our dating anniversary. I know, I know what you're thinking. It's like, really? Like, come on, guys. Like, people laugh at us all the time. We do put that Facebook and IG corny, you know, love and how much we love each other, how much we've been through. But I will say this. As we've gotten older, we, um, as we've gotten older and our children have gotten older, we have probably been going out way too much. So if you follow us on Facebook and Instagram, it seems like, and I say it seems because it's not really true, it's your perception, that we go out on dates like every month. And sometimes it is every month. And sometimes it's, uh, you know, every two months. And, but we realize that it's important within our marriage to spend this time together because just last week I was telling him, I said, we have, I have a 22-year-old um, and I have... Um, 11-year-old and a 7-year-old. And I told him, I said, in 10 years, we're going to be empty nesters. We're not going to have kids in the house anymore, right? Once we ship off at Mariah to college, that's it. We're going to be by ourselves. And it'd be nice if we at least like each other, right? So, um, so we continuously go on dates. We're continuously dating each other. And we realize that within, because life gets in the way, right? You know, we work odd shifts. I work during the day. He works mid-shift. You know, we're passing by each other in the morning. We're passing by each other at night, you know. And so life gets very, very hectic. But what we realize is that when we carve out this time, um, and let me say, I'm going to honor my husband right now because he makes it very, very intentional when we are passing by each other during the, during the week that he takes the time to come and lay down with me. And, you know, and just before we get up and start running while I go to work and he, you know, getting the kids ready to go to, go to school, um, but he does do that, and I just want to honor him for that. Um, but we are very intentional because we understand that after 16 years together, the in and outs of every day, the daily stuff is important to weather the big stuff. It's important to weather the big stuff. Um, what I have learned during prepping this message is that the King David also understood this very concept. He understood this very concept about being, spending daily time with God and acknowledging God and worshiping God and, and, and being able to navigate through his life this way. And David, I'm going to speak briefly about him. David was the youngest son of Jesse. He was a shepherd. He was considered a man after God's own heart. And he was the anointed one. But that does not mean that David was flawless. David was far from flawless. He had a very complicated life. And he got himself into quite some trouble. Um, and with that, though, I believe that the life of David is a great example of what worship daily is. Because in the midst of that trouble, he was able to acknowledge who God was in those spaces in his life that needed the help. And able to, to tell God, I need you here with me. I need you to come into this space with me. And one of the things that he that one of the things that actually, I'm going to say the word stained some of, his uh, some of his life was that he got into some trouble with another woman. And her name is Bathsheba, and I'm sure people have heard about her, right? And 2 Samuel, he, in 2 Samuel, it speaks about this story where he sees her from afar, and she wasn't his wife, and he was peeking over, she was bathing. It got real complicated real quick. And he ended up committing adultery with her. Which, by the way, at the time, we knew that was punishable by law, right? Um, but in the midst of that failure, in the midst of all that, uh, God had already spoken over David's life. 
David was called as being a shepherd in a field by God to be the anointed king of, of Israel. And so he, um, but, and, and also the Bible says that he was credited as a man after God's heart. So the obedience that David uh, per, per pursued with God was, was well, that's how he got that title, right? That's how he got it. He pursued God in obedience, God commanded, and he did it. Um, and I want to submit to you that in the midst of that failure, he also pursued God. And a lot of the times is that in our lowest times in our lives, we tend to shy away from God when we fail. We tend to walk away and say, no, I just finished doing something that I wasn't supposed to be doing. And then we kind of like turn our backs and hope, right? You ever seen a kid like turn their back so you, the person doesn't see what they're doing? And I feel like that, and sometimes that's what we do too. Um, David though knew his, knew his creator. He knew his father. He understood that he can still go to him and still be with him and still and acknowledge him and say, hey Lord, I screwed up here. I screwed up here, but I still need you here. I still need you to be in this space with me. I know that you are merciful. I know that you are loving. I know all these things. And it's complete opposite of what, what sometimes we do. And really, that very thing is worship. It's acknowledging who God is in your life at that precise moment. It's hailing unto God saying, hey, Lord, you're, the, you're, you're amazing, you're the best, you're merciful, you're loving, you're caring. I screwed up, but I still know that I can hold on to your truth. And the truth is that you love me, you have called me, you call me your beloved, you call me yours. I will continuously be yours no matter what I do, no matter what happens, no matter what I go through. The failure is not bigger than me. The failure is something that happened and I can move on because of it. Sometimes we say, David, for his obedience, like I said before, when God commanded him, he would go. And I thought about this because he has that, you know, that, that title of a man after God's heart. And sometimes we also attribute that to just the task part of it, right? The task of, you know, well, if God told him to go conquer a land, he went to conquer a land. If God called him to do this, he, called, he went and he did it. But I wonder sometimes if it also has to do with the little boy who was in the field who was spoken over, if he stood on the word that God spoke to him as well from that place. Sometimes we forget that the task, yes, God commands us and we say, here we are, Lord, let's go, whatever you need me to do. But sometimes our failures get bigger than that. They get bigger than that task that, we, that God has commanded us. And I want to remind somebody here that if you have been called, if you have been, if you, you are chosen and you are loved and God has called you to be a pastor, to be an apostle, to be a worship singer, to be the person who serves in their church, like all those things are also obedience unto God. And I want to remind you today that in the place of your failure, that that stuff still stands, that those words still stand, right? I always say this about, um, I always bring up my husband because he's had a very, um, interesting before Jesus lifestyle. That's what I'm going to say about it. Um, but 
we know pe people have come up to me, family members. Are you sure this is what you want to do? Are you sure you want to be with him? Are you sure? But you know what? I, 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 and I stand tall in knowing that God has spoken over him, that he will be a pastor one day. And that's what I hold on to. No matter what failure he falls into, no matter how he fails, how much he diverts, it doesn't matter. It, all that matters is that God has spoken and it's going to come to pass. And I want to remind somebody here that beside your, aside from your failure, God's word will come to pass. It's all because you allow yourself in that space, in that moment to acknowledge who God is in your life. And that is part of daily worship, laying yourself down to what the Holy Spirit is saying to you, what the Holy Spirit is instructing to you, what the Holy Spirit is saying about you and allowing God in that space so you can move forward. Psalm 51 says this, and I, he, this is when, he, after he's actually, um, um, you know, admits that he was in adultery. He says, have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love. According to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions. Wash away all my iniquity and cleanse from me my sin. For I know my, trans my transgressions and my sin is always before me. Against you, you only I have sinned and done what is evil in your sight. So you are right in your verdict and justified when you judge. Surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. Yet you desired faithfulness even in the womb. You taught me wisdom in that secret place. Cleanse me with hyssop and I will be clean. Wash me and I will be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones you have crushed rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquity. Create in me a pure heart, O Lord, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Then I will teach transgressors your way so that sinners will turn back to you. Deliver me from the guilt of bloodshed, O God. You, are, you God, are my Savior and my tongue will sing of your righteousness forever. Open my lips, Lord, and my mouth will declare your praise. And this is where I really wanted to hone in because he says this. He goes, you do not delight in sacrifice or I would bring it to you, right? Because back then they had to sacrifice animals in order to walk into the, to, to go before the Lord. You do not take pleasures in burnt offering. My sacrifice, oh God, is a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. God, you will not despise. And that is daily worship. A heart that knows that it's in, in its brokenness, God will still restore a God that in its brokenness, God still will reach out his hand and pull you up. A, a, a soul in its brokenness will still be who God calls him to be because he recognizes that this is our sacrifice. Our sacrifice is our life. In the other translation in Romans, it says, be a living sacrifice. That means like your day-to-day -day stuff, the way you react, the way you talk to people, the way, all those things. Sometimes, man... People get hard. People get hard. But we stand on his truth. We stand on God's truth. He's acknowledging, David has acknowledged what he has done. And he's still saying to the Lord, hey, I know I screwed this up. I know I made a huge mistake here. But I also know that you are good. 
And I also know that if I, tell, if I ask you to search my heart, you're going to show me the way. And you're going to give me the wisdom to move on. And you're going to restore me. You're not going to shame me. You're not going to turn your back on me. That's not what you're going to do. You're going to restore me in you, and I, will, and I will forge forward. And his brokenness was, was what he had to offer. And he understood that his mercy, that God's mercies were new every day. Amen. In the next one, I, it's, it's in the midst of loneliness. And David had sons and wives. Um, and he had one particular son. And honestly, I read the story. I was telling Pastor Will this is earlier today. I said, I read the story and maybe his son had a right. And it was his son Absalom. And David hid from his son because his son was trying to kill him. Talk about family drama, right? The story, I, I won't get into it, but it's, it, it's found in 2 Samuel. And, and, and Absalom, when I read the story, I was like, oh, yeah, well, you know, I can see why you got upset, cause, <laughs> right? Um, and it has to do with a decision that David made and his son did not agree with. And sometimes, just sometimes, the reason of, of lo our loneliness may not make sense, Right? Sometimes we make decisions that don't make sense to other people. And it doesn't make sense. To, and, and we make those decisions and it places us in this place of loneliness. Sometimes people make you feel lonely because of what they said or what they did. People, but we already know that people are not the enemy. People are not the enemy. I want to say there are circumstances where people's brokenness stands up and becomes more pronounced than anything else. The brokenness in the person offends you or doesn't agree with the decision you're making or the, the path you're taking, and it pushes you to a place of loneliness where you feel like you're the only one there. Not everyone is going to understand the choices you make and agree. That's pretty simple. And at the same time, it causes you to be in a place where you feel like, there's, like the walls are closing in. I cannot imagine the burden of that loneliness that David was feeling at the time. Right? He fled he, was, he, he fled from his son. And sometimes uh, David experienced this as he was moving around and finding shelter from his enemies. He was all alone. He was moving from place to place. And sometimes the person you feel they should have your very back turns their back on you. In the midst of all that loneliness that David was facing, you know what he did? He worshipped. He worshipped. In Psalm 63, um, we have that, for Psalm 63, he worships in this place where he finds himself alone. And he says, you, God, are my God. I earnestly seek you. I thirst for you. My whole being longs for you in a dry and parched land where there is no water. I have seen you in the sanctuary and beheld your power and your glory because your love is better than life. My lips will glorify you. I will praise you as long as I live, and in your name I will lift up my hands. I will be fully satisfied as with the riches of the food of foods. With singing lips, my mouth will praise you. And then he so and then this is where I want to hold in. He says, On my bed, I remember you. I think of you through the watches of night, because you are my help. I sing in the shadow of your wings. I cling to you. Your right hand upholds me. In the place of of emptiness where he felt that he could no more. He worshiped. 
he said he acknowledged who God was. He knew that he wasn't going to be alone. He knew that God would never leave his side. He understood all these things. We can as well in those places of loneliness, whether we understand them or not. And sometimes, let's be honest, sometimes we create those spaces of loneliness ourselves. Sometimes we do. And sometimes we don't even know how we got there. With all that being said, God is still faithful. And we can still say to ourselves, yeah, I, you remember, I, on my bed, I remember you. I remember that you're with me. I remember that you're near me. I remember that you're next to me. I remember all these things because I have seen your hand. I have seen your glory. I have seen your love. I have seen these things occur in my life. When I, when there was one, uh, there was a one night where I told you John works nights. And there was this one day that I was so hard. And I remember curling up on my bed. And just crying out to the Lord because I was in a lonely place because my day was hectic. And I felt like the walls were closing in. And in that space, I was able to lean back and remind myself that he was a loving father. That he was, that he was with me in every step, even though I didn't see him. Even though sometimes it feels like he's not there. I know that the word says to me that he will never forsake me, that he will never leave me. And these are the sacrifices that we make with our lips. You know, it's interesting to me because I, I was reading something about the sacrifice of praise. And I'm like, sacrifice of praise? Yeah. Those times where you can't even get words out. Those times that you can't even speak. Sometimes you hear, you, we, 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 we gather here, we sing, and, and there, I don't know about you, but there's days where I'm like, I can't even talk. I don't even have the words to say what I'm going through right now. I don't even have the words to say what I'm feeling. I don't even have the words. And then sometimes all you hear is, oh. And I'm like, yeah, Lord, that's how I feel. That's it. And it isn't, isn't it great to know that we have a loving God who understands even those things? He understands the tears that fall down our faces. He understands the, 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 the kneeling before him. He understands our hands being raised without even, I, sometimes I, I raise my hands. There's nothing going on in here, but I'm just like, all right, Lord, here I am, empty hands, because this is all I got. This is all I got for you. This is all I have to give you right now. And just to know that he will not turn that away. He will not turn that away. He holds us so tightly. I think if we really knew how tightly God holds on to us, some of us would control issues, we try to wiggle out. And I say that because I'm, I have control issues. <laughs> but, you know, like I think we would try to wiggle out. And, 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 and it's, but it's awesome to know that the creator of this universe loves us that much. He loves us that much and through his son, because of the sacrifice that he made, we were able to connect directly to the Father. At any given time, at any given moment, we can lay ourselves um, in front of God's presence, whether at work, whether um, when you're cutting somebody off or somebody cuts you off. We can invite God into that space, and that is our living worship because, we are con because it becomes countercultural to what society has taught us to do because society has taught us that we need to, you know, I don't even know. Has taught us to do a lot of things that are countercultural to what Jesus has called us to do. But in that space, if we invite God into that place, he will come and he will show us wisdom. And he will come and he will give us the words and the peace and the understanding of what happens when you, when you allow him to come in and mold and heal you and restore you and just be with you and be with him and just 
allow him to love on you the way only he can. It wasn't all downhill for David. It wasn't. If you see the Bible, he told, uh, he, you know, David becomes king. What God has whispered to him in the, f- in the field, David becomes king. So David worshipped in the midst of his failure. He worshipped in the midst of his loneliness. And he worshipped right before he was promoted to being king. Second Samuel 5.17 says this, When the Pharisees heard that David had, anointed king, had been anointed over Israel, they went up in full force to search for him. But, God, but David heard about it and went down to the stronghold. Now the Philistines, I don't know about you guys, but I'm just going to stop there for a second. I feel like David's always run into something. <laughs> I'm just going to say. Now the Philistines have come and spread out of the valley of Raphim. So David inquired of the Lord. Verse 19, so David inquired of the Lord. So we see here that David didn't only search out God in the bad. He searched him out in right before he was stepping into what God had called him to do. Shall I go and attack the Philistines? Will you deliver them into my hands? The Lord answered, go for I surely deliver, I surely, I will surely deliver the Philistines into your hands. So David went to Baal Parazim and there he defeated them. He said, as waters break out, the Lord has broken out against my enemies before me. So that place was called Baal Parazim. The Philistines abandoned their idols there and David and his men carried them off. Once the Philistines came up and spread out into the valley of Rephaim, so David inquired, oh, I read that already, sorry. Um, oh, no, so do not go straight up, but circle around behind them and attack them in front of the poplar trees. As soon as you hear the sound of marching in the tops of the poplar, of the poplar trees, move quickly because they will mean the Lord has gone out in front of you to strike the Philistine army. So David did as the Lord commanded him, and he struck down the Philistines all the way from Gibeon to, 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 to Gezer. In the midst of all of this, David wrote a psalm, and it was a Psalm 99. And he says, the Lord reigns. Here he is, recognizing who God is. Let the nations tremble. He sits enthroned between the cherubim. Let the earth shake. Great is the Lord in Zion. He is exalted over all the nations. Let them praise your great and awesome name. He is holy. The king is mighty. He loves justice. You have established equity in Jacob. You have done what is just and right. Exalt the Lord our God and worship at his footstone. At his footstool. He is holy. Moses and Aaron were among his priests. Samuel was among those called on his name. They called on the Lord and he answered them. He spoke to them from the pillar of cloud. They kept his statues and the decrees he gave them. Our Lord, our God, you answered them. You were to Israel a forgiving king. Though you punished their misdeeds, exalt the Lord our God and worship at his holy mountain. For the Lord our God is holy. David, once he was anointed king, still worshipped. And sometimes, I was thinking about this today because I said, you know, Lord, sometimes... When life is going pretty good, I have, I'm going to speak for me, I have gotten comfortable. And because life is going pretty good, right? You like go day by day, right? No problem. I don't have nobody yelling at me. I don't have anybody pursuing me. I don't have anybody um, coming after me. And I forget. I forget. 
But David understood that even in that time when he was being promoted, that he still had to worship, that he still worshiped the Lord. And I'm going to submit to you guys that today that David, he understood this because he had, he had continuously made a pattern in his life to worship God. He worshiped God from the pits of wherever he was coming from to the very mountaintop he worshiped. David wrote 73 of the 150 Psalms. David's pattern of acknowledging God in all his circumstances, in good and bad, and this is what we do here on a Sunday when we are moved by the amazing words that come through the speakers of this house. We know sometimes it is a sacrifice to be, to get here. We know sometimes that it is a sacrifice because 20,000 things happen during the day. We, that's completely understood. But we also know that there is a God who is deserving of our attention. And there is a God who is still good. I was listening to a worship song this week, and it says, no matter what, I think we, heard, we said uh, worthy of, of our song, and he still says, and he goes, you're still good. No matter what is happening around us, you're still good. And in our lives, in our day lives, in our, when we're not here on a Sunday, Monday through Saturday, he is still good. And he still is able to be with us. And, and you know, I will never get tired of, can I, can I confess something to you guys? I started getting up in the morning and just laying on my bed and praising Jesus from, from my bed. Before, and I know that we've said that before and pastoral practices that and, and some of our leadership practices that as well. And I can tell you that that portion of my morning has transformed my days. It transformed my days. I deal with a lot, I'm, I'm constantly have people all day at work. And it has allowed me to love on people differently. It has allowed me to view people differently. It has allowed me to uh, interact with people differently. It has allowed me not to become offendable at things. And, it's, and, I, and I will say that it, it, is, it is because I have learned that my life as a living sacrifice unto Jesus is loving the people the way he loves people. And allowing him to show me how to love people. Because we know that loving people ain't easy. You guys see me 16 years with my husband, sometimes I don't like him. And sometimes he don't like me. But because our foundation is found in Jesus... And we understand that our daily sacrifices, we serve one another in this sacrificial love. We're able to flourish with each other for that very reason. And if you, if you begin to do that on a daily basis, when something comes out of left field, you will stand firm in knowing because you already said, Lord, we've, we've already, we know, we know what you've done. We know that this came out of nowhere, but I know who you are. And I know who you are in my life. And I know that, hey, maybe there's some things within me that I need to tweak or that we need to tweak. And I know you will give me the wisdom to do that. And that is daily worship. It's really living your life in a way that you reflect Jesus at all times. And you, the only way we, we can do that is by allowing him in those places. And it sounds so simple, I know. I know. And I wrote this stuff, I wrote some of the stuff down about making room and acknowledging God in every moment. 
It's inviting him when you wake up into your morning routine, into your workplace, the coworker who may not sit right with you. Let me tell you, sometimes I see people and I'm like, Lord, let me love them the way you love them because they're not easy. And I will say, I'm telling you that this is not just, well, meaning said that and no, this is what I'm living through right now, right now. I tell you, I deal with a lot of people all day. This is what I'm dealing with right now. Because I understood that what I was doing is not, was not, um, the, my interaction was not glorifying God. And I was like, Lord, if I'm trying to be like you, I, I, you love me, you lavish me, you lavish me with grace, you lavish me with love. I need to understand that I need to also pay that forward to people. And because they're your people. You created them. You, you, you love them. You love them. So teach me how to do that. And it has transformed my work, my, for me, my work environment in the way I view people. And we stand on his truth. And the worship team can start coming up. And we stand on his truth and we become living sacrifices as we hold on to his truth. Not to what's happening around us, not what our circumstances are saying. We're holding on to God's truth. We're holding on, and this is what David did. He allowed God in every aspect of his life all the way to becoming king. Then God saw that God saw him in a light that many did not. And let me tell you that as I was reading the life of David, I said, David was really ahead of his time because he worshiped Jesus in the desert. He worshiped him in caves. He worshiped him while he was hiding. And that was countercultural to the time. Because back then you had to go like we, you know, to a certain temple, to a certain place, to whatever it was for, for their society. And he for, it's almost like I wonder if he foresaw that this is what it looked like once Jesus came. And, when Jesus, and then it reminded me of the Samaritan woman when Jesus says there's going to be a point in time that's not going to matter whether you're worshiping in that mountain or in that one. Right? And, we jump, and then we jump forward to Paul when he's speaking about Jesus, uh, about allowing Jesus in your ordinary life. And the next verse after that, it talks about renewing your mind. And that's something that I wanted to submit to you guys too. It's renewing your mind because life, we have this, sometimes we have this, I got this mentality with life. And sometimes we don't got it. <laughs> you know, we fall apart, you know. And Paul talks about renewing your mind, and, and before that, he talks about being a living sacrifice. And I wonder if Paul understood that in order to become a living sacrifice, you had to renew your mind. Because you had to be dependent on God to do that. You have to be dependent on the person who sacrificed his son for you. You have to be dependent, because that is the only strength that we will be able to gather from. Because we've tried it on your own. I don't know about you guys, I've tried it on my own. It did not work out well. It led to a practical mental breakdown. But as I started renewing my mind and allowing my worship, my daily worship, and allowing Holy Spirit to come in and allowing me to see uh, God for who he was in my life and not as a bystander in my life, it has transformed the way I live my life. Jesus has transformed the way I've lived my life. And that is worshiping daily, the practical stuff 
I'm a very practical person. I'm like, give me the step, Lord. I just need the step. Sometimes I want to see the whole staircase, but I'm like, I'll take the step. And you guys can get on your feet. They're gonna work, we're gonna worship. But I implore you today, as we walk out of here today. Oh, thank you. Thank you. That's my son, yeah. But I implore you today that as you walk out of this place, start submitting your every day to Jesus. Start submitting your every day to Jesus. And I'm talking about practical things, simple things. The simplest things. What's the next move, Lord? What's the next thing? Because what you don't realize is that every step that you take while you're walking is an opportunity for you to share Jesus with somebody. Whether it's verbal or whether it's by your action, but it is an opportunity for you to share who Jesus is. And that way we worship our Father when we do those things and he gets all the glory. This song we're going to sing is called Make Room. And it wrecked me this week. And it's interesting because I was, I don't know what I was, but I was waking up one morning and I was thinking and I saw myself standing here. And I saw myself declaring this and I hope that you guys declare this with me. You're not going to say my name. You're going to say your name. And what you're going to say is, I, and your name, will make room. Let that be your worship unto the Lord. To make room for him in those spaces. In every space. In your Monday, in your Tuesday, in your Wednesday, in your Thursday. You will not be disappointed by what comes out of it not. David understood this. David understood this so well. He understood that nothing can keep God's love away from him. Nothing. Not his own failure, not what he felt was happening at the time when he was alone, not before he became king. He knows nothing could stop God from chasing him, from pursuing him, from wanting to be with him. And we have to stand firm in that because we already, we've seen it with our eyes. We've seen Jesus come down, walk this earth, give us the example, walk, go to Calvary, die, resurrect for you. So that you can know him intimately, so that you can feel him, so that you know that you're not by yourself. I always saw, I, 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 the last time when I preached but didn't preach during my Jesus is my redeemer, I, I, I know that we see all the big things, but God wants to be in the little things. He wants to be in the little things. He wants to be with you in those little things. He wants to see your face. He wants to know. You know, religion has, religion told me a long time ago, and this is what it felt like. God created us and left us here alone. That's the way I grew up. But the gospel of Jesus tells me that he did not leave me alone. Because he gave up his crown for me. He gave up his crown for you. He gave up his crown to walk this earth to become a daily living sacrifice. 
to the point of death, where he was buried and resurrected. And he did it for his love of you. So we're going to sing. And we're going to declare. And I didn't do the declaration, right? But we're going to do it right now. And we're going to say, I... make room for you. We're going to get into the worship. Come up. Let your heart out. Nobody's watching, I promise. 